So folks, I have the unique pleasure of doing this show and then coming back and recording the beginning. So I know what I'm about to hear and what you're going to hear. Our guest on the next show talks about saving people from oblivion. Now, if that doesn't show you grit, nothing will. Gavin Tice shares an amazing and remarkable story of how he helps others from his military background and now in business. Next. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours, here is Brian Leflock. And let's get cooking. So we all know about transition. And right now, holy cow, talk about transition. So many people and kind of getting upended and moved into different roles and, and trying to hold on to what they have or start something new. And, and this 2020 slash COVID thing that we're dealing with just kind of won't let up. And, and uh, so we need to get through what causes the transition. We need the effort that it takes. We need the confidence that it takes. Sometimes we just need a little bit of luck or a hand or some kind of uh, assistance in getting through the transition. And, and I think we're going to talk about that today on A Dash of Grit. I want you to meet a partner with Sandler Training Ruby Group in Akron. He is Gavin Tice. Uh, he's the third, I believe, Sandler trainer that we've had on Dash of Grit, but that is not by accident. You folks are motivated and you you live the grit every day. And so Gavin Tice, welcome to A Dash of Grit. Hey, Brian, really appreciate uh, the opportunity to come here and, and to follow in the footsteps of um, some of the best in Sandler that, that, that has to be offered. Yeah. So Mike, thank you so much. Mike Mike Jones and Amy Woodall yep. are, uh, are in yeah. front of you. So they are some of the best. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a lot of a lot of uh, room to fill there. <laughs> yeah, not to set the bar too high for you or not. So, hey, Gavin, let's let's talk a little bit about success. You are a partner. You're a trainer at at uh, at Sandler Ruby Group. Tell me how it's going. How are we doing? Brag about yourself a little bit because I know you're good at it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So I'll I'll take a step back. Uh, a little over two years ago, I transitioned to Columbus, Ohio, from a family move and wound up uh, not being able to work in my previous role. And uh, I wound up as a, a business development rep for a local company called Olive. And um, very shortly into that endeavor, I realized on my way out that I needed a lot more focus in, in methodology and structure in my process. I discovered Sandler training. And uh, over the next year and a half, I wound up um, receiving multiple advancements in my job, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting to look at my resume because someone might say, well, you didn't stay anywhere, but the opportunities kept coming because I kept growing from my training and, and own development. And um, lo and behold, I, I wound up tripling my income in a year because of the right opportunities that came my way. Uh, I have to say that, you know, if you're doing well in sales, you know, the opportunities will keep coming at and uh, as long as you can keep hitting your mark, you just keep going. And yeah. I loved the companies I was working with, but sometimes the opportunities were too good to pass up. So unfortunately, COVID uh, landed and uh, the, the company I worked for was a pretty small startup. So they had to let us go. My coach, who's actually in the U United Kingdom, offered to introduce me to the Ruby Group and Mike Jones. Um, he said, I... I have no idea if they're looking to hire a new associate or not, but you've done really well. And uh, why not take the the jump into actually becoming part of the Sandler family? Uh -huh. So 
a couple conversations happened. I went through by far the strangest interviews of my life. I bet. Because each way, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I was thinking Sandler stuff. Like, do I reverse that question? Do I, <laughs> do I play the dummy curve on some of these areas? And, um, you know, I, I wound up, uh, getting, getting the role back in, uh, we'll say June 1st was my start. Unfortunately, as time has gone on, uh, of, of kind of the, the folks that I started with, I'm the only one who's left that started about the same period of time that I did. Hmm. So hanging in there, still trying to build a, a strong book of business, but, uh, you know, I feel like I've got a PhD in sales now. Yeah. Um, well, many of your listeners, success. We call that yeah. success. I mean, you stuck and you're there and that's a really good group. And and uh, congratulations because you're cream of the crop. Well done. I I appreciate that. You know, we, we have a, a saying that you're a product of the product. And some some people might say like, well, how could you have catapulted your, your sales intelligence and business intelligence in such a short time? But when we say we're a product of the product, we do what we train every day. We, we make the cold calls, we send the emails, we're having conversations, but we're also studying and to train others into what we do. Mm-hmm. And we're constantly working on our coaching prowess. So when I'm working seven, eight, nine, 10 hours a day, I'm actually doing the product, not, not to mention doing my job. So, you know, I haven't hit the 10,000 hour mark, but, uh, I think I'm at like 2,800 hours right now of where okay. I feel like I'm at. So, and, and working on Mike, mastering. Knowing Mike, once you get to the 10,000 hour, it's the 100,000 hour that you're going to need to accomplish. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't quit. So, yes. Yes. For sure. <laughs> so, Gavin, I think your conversation now is timely. We're, we're right here at the, the turn of the, of the year. 2020 has been tough. It's hit you hard. Uh, you also had some transition earlier. I think there's folks out there listening that are uh, far more than we know that are struggling with transition, uncertainty, jobs on the line, not quite sure what the future looks like. And I think today's episode is going to be uh, really helpful to them. So thank you for sharing. I wonder if you can go ahead and and begin. Uh, tell us a little bit about some grit in your life that you've had to overcome some challenges to accomplish the success that you are now practicing every day. Yeah, so um, we'll go back uh, to 2010, when I uh, left the the beloved world of the United States Marine Corps, um, I was infantry all four years. I was deployed quite often, and um, you know, un- unfortunately, the transition plan when you're in the military, it's gotten a lot better in the last ten years. But back then, it was uh, a three day course of like, here's how to tie a tie and how to go interview, and here's how to build a resume. I was 30 when I left the Marines. So I, I had those things down and, you know, you, you leave such an impactful tight group. A lot of people will say it's a tribe. You leave the Marines and your, your comrades and your brothers in arms. And of course, sisters in arms too. And you wind up fairly alone. So I did the Mm -hmm. next best thing. I put all my time and invested my energy to um, transitioning to a, security contractor role overseas back kind of in the, in the midst of things and um, did that for about six months and realized that the uh, risk that I was taking every day compared to the IT guy that I became friendly with was incredible. Uh, but our salaries were very disparate. He made about five times what I was making for zero risk. So I, I came back home 
And uh, that really led to some, some serious struggle in my life. I came home. Um, I didn't really have a, a home to go to. I could have moved in with my parents, but I wanted to stay close to my eldest son. And I wound up living in my truck for a while until I could get on my feet and find a place to, to go. And then, you know, we, we leave the military and you have a lot of anxiety about what to do next. The mentorship isn't really that great, unfortunately. And it, it took me a long time to figure out my path. And I had a lot of darkness that I was struggling with. We had two suicides very quickly that, that hit home. Um, some of my junior Marines had just come back from Afghanistan and the price they paid was too much. Oh no! So unfortunately we're losing about in my unit. So, uh, in the Marines, we, we run by battalions. It's, it's a significant grouping of about 1200 Marines every month in my particular battalion, which is the two, two warlords. We've lost about two Marines every month on average due to suicide. Gavin is, is the struggle potential, like trying to get your feet and to do the right thing next to take care of your family coming out of the military and being in that start is, is the struggle what's forward or is the struggle what you're kind of leaving behind? I know that there's a, a family there and I know that you, even though it's hard and I don't know how hard it is, and, and but even though it's terribly hard and, but it's still a family and you belong and then you're kind of jettisoned out. So what's the biggest struggle is it what's in front of you or what's behind you boy that's a great question i think it's both um wow consistently you know there's a lot that goes on there's a lot of trauma you know whether or not someone was in you know sophisticated combat or whether they were you know trying to figure out their next step. It's like the obvious answer always is, well, I've got this GI bill. I'll go become uh, I'll go to college and I'll get a degree. And then you start thinking about like, well, what do I want to do? Because, um, at least in my role, I'll never be that cool again. You know, I was mm. kicking down doors and using explosives and shooting tanks. And it was, um, it was pretty pivotal. I was kind of, uh, in my own fascination it was like being an astronaut going to the moon and then coming home and then you're like well what's next like i've oh. i've kind of been there and done that so i think the biggest struggle is number one you have a lot of darkness that that comes from your experiences and you know when you come home um my parents had moved so it, it wasn't home for me it's not like where all my high school mates were and so you wind up for those people who do go home everyone else moved on in their life, you know, mm -hmm. and you kind of are looked at like you went on this strange camping trip for four, 10, 25 years. And then you come home and everyone else they've married, they've, they've gone on to college, they've got successful careers and you're kind of starting back over. And, um, you're, you're kind of looking at other people's success and going like, God, I, I'm starting at the bottom level. And I've got to like climb to the top of where these people are at. And it's kind of like the small business that looks at Google, you know, and looks at that unicorn or something like that. And wants to be that thing. And, and so, and, and so it's not the same at all, but there's a lot of folks listening right now that didn't have that experience of the military, but they were in a corporate position. They were on the fast track. They were uh, feet up on the desk, making a good living and 2020 COVID kind of 
racked a lot of people's lives. And so they end up down the chain. And so they're feeling the same things, man, everybody else is doing their thing. Everybody it's so it, it can be similar in such a way. And my question for you is, this isn't taking anything away from those, of course, that didn't make it. And we already talked about that a little bit, but you didn't succumb. You didn't give mm. up. What, what was, what did you do to cross that hurdle? What was your daily take at that kind of a big black hole chasm kind of thing to get through? At that time I had uh, one son, I was divorced and I knew I had to still be there for him, mm. you know? And so that was, that was kind of the big draw was I, I have to remain ahead of the, the black hole for him, but it, it was also to provide some sort of mentorship for my junior Marines who were still in the fight. were getting ready to come out. Some of them had been, you know, terribly wounded. And I had this moment. I, one of my, I call him a dead mentor of mine, Jim Rohn. You know, he, he has this whole talk about why. Why not now? Why not you? Why not today? And he talks about saving people from, from oblivion. And to me, that, that became my journey was to say, look, if I can just show one of my Marines that I'm making it, I may not be, you know, rich and successful and, you know, whatever, but if, if I can show them that there is life past the Marines and, and, and past our experiences, then maybe that will give them enough hope to continue on. And so I've really tried to reach out and touch people. And I also, um, I, I found my true faith. I, I got baptized in, um, that was a pretty pivotal moment. And to know that, you know, not to get too religious, but at least in, in my world, you know, what, what awaits us moving forward is, is beyond glory compared to what our day-to-day -day struggle is. Like this is the cross we have to bear. So. I then figured out like, well, what do I do next? And so um, I was really touched by one of the best social workers in the, in the, in the department of veteran affairs, her name's Stacy Reeves. And she became a mentor of mine and helped me get into social work. Mm -hmm. And at first I thought to myself, social work, like I don't want to do food stamps and that kind of mess. And she says, well, I don't do that. Yeah. And um, she really helped educate me about what her role looked like. And I mean, I can't tell you the, the countless lives that she has touched, yeah. saved, marriages that she's supported. And she was a great role model. So I did the next smartest thing. I, I went to school and I just gritted it out. I got uh, two degrees in three and a half years. It was a real tough time. You know, I, I wound up meeting uh, my, my beloved wife and we had a child on the way soon and I had to get a job. Like, even though that I, I was getting paid by the military to go to school and I went through 110 interviews oh. and got not one job. Yeah. Oh, that's so frustrating. I had thought joining the Marines would be a very big leg up in the world, but yeah. there was so much stigma involved that I wound up getting a job at Lowe's. Thank, thank goodness. They were the only people who would hire me seven, uh, seven, 13 an hour as a cashier. And you know, Lowe's, uh, that Lowe's cares about the veterans and Lowe's does good work for the veterans. And so that's good to hear. They, I mean, you know, they gave me an opportunity where I couldn't find any 110 misses, you know, 
And um, so I, 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 I did that and that was a grind. You know, it was strange. It's the only place I've ever worked where people didn't show up on payday. <laughs> I'd show up, I was a cashier and uh, they'd be like, well, Gavin, you're the only cashier tonight. And I'd say, oh, that's weird. And finally that became a thing. And I asked one of the other kind of senior guys, I said, what goes on? He says, well, people just don't show up on payday. Really? And I was like, Oh, that's, it was strange. So, um, I did that job for a couple months and wound up graduating. And then I got a, a job, which was a partnership. I was working with goodwill, helping post nine 11 veterans get back to work and then transition into the VA and into a role. I wasn't a social worker, but I was what's called a peer support specialist. So that became kind of my entry into sales. I never thought of that until I was educated by a mentor of mine that everything I did in that job was sales. I was not a counselor per se. My role was to teach people from my own personal experience, hence the peer support. So I didn't do like clinical diagnoses, but I worked with a great medical uh, mental health team. And my role was you'd come to me and you'd tell me your problems and I'd sit back and ask you some really good questions. And then I'd, you know, figure out a couple opportunities to, you know, well, maybe you need real counseling. Maybe you need group therapy. Maybe we need to look at um, some medication. And then I had to sell it. (laughs) It was. And then there was some follow-up needed, right? So I'd done my needs assessment and then I'd gone through my pain funnel and then uh, I always had the decision maker, Yeah. but um, the follow-up was very necessary and it was a constant battle. You know, people wouldn't show, you know, they, they want to <laughs> answer the phone call. They wouldn't get the emails and there was always new problems, you know? Yeah. So it was, uh, it was my first foray into sales. Yeah, absolutely. Did you, did you find, and, that, and that's interesting because I, I think every step that you've taken, even probably while you're in the military, but definitely after, I think you found a bigger purpose than yourself, uh, whether it was serving people, whether it was you know taking care of your, your family, whether it was uh, finding God. I think you found something to focus on bigger than yourself. And I'm wondering, did that drive your success in sales? Do you correlate those I do. I've always had this drive after the Marines. People say I could never be a Marine, right? And the funny thing is- Why did they say you couldn't be a Marine? Oh, well, uh, well, I can't. The the list goes on, but I was 25. Yeah. I was not necessarily in Marine shape. I wasn't like overweight, but I definitely did not look like the caliber of of what people think a Marine looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I was also a heavy smoker back then. And they're like, you can't run. Like, there's no way. But, you know, we we mold humans into machines. And you swear in, you pass your medical exam, you, you take your testing. And it was funny. They said, look, you, you scored really high. You can do any job in the Marines. Like, Here's the big book of jobs. And I'm like looking through that book. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Just send me to the infantry. Oh, okay. Like, I, I, <laughs> I'm not one of the people who who had a, a different idea. I'm like, let me go. Uh, I've got a long line of military history, but you get to Paris Island and it's the scariest moment of your life. And very quickly, you see what happens when people give up early. It's not pretty. I won't go into specifics, but you go, I'm not going to be that guy. Oh. And there is a constant honing of skill. 
every day. I mean, like you want to talk about a job that, that never stops boot camp for, I was there actually for 17 weeks instead of 13. Cause I broke a finger and, um, you are constantly pushed to the utmost of, of your abilities, physically, mentally, the endurance to move on and, and keep going. And nobody wants to get held back after your first week. You're like, mm. let me get out of this sucker now. And here's the thing. You can't leave, right? You can't say I, I quit. It's not a job. You've signed the contract and it takes literally like congressional help to save someone out of that contract. So huh. it defines you very quickly. And I have constantly had to use everything the Marines have, have given me to maintain my focus and to just endure because getting through that and getting through what I went through on my deployments and being away and over, you know, just the myriad of training and the lack of sleep, you're like, well, if I can handle all that, I can get through this. I can do you this. Know? Yeah. And you can be successful in, in this world and doing this tough job that, that you have now. Tell, tell me a little bit, if you don't mind about here recently, let, let's talk a little bit about 2020. I don't always do that on this show because it's a problem that we're all dealing with. And so mm. we're all just kind of trying to just stand hand in there and, and keep going, but it affected you specifically. It took your yep. job. And I know I know that I'm wrong in understanding how impactful it's been for others. I know that it's behind the scenes. We're, we're hiring at our mm. job currently. And just about every interview I'm on, the person is infected. And so I'm realizing uh, affected by uh, the COVID and the economy and things. And so I'm realizing it's a much bigger thing than I even realized. And so can you tell me a little bit about uh, the struggles that you've had to overcome here specifically this year and maybe help our listeners know that they're not alone? Yeah, you know, I I worked for a, a great company that had a mission to reduce back injuries in the manufacturing world. It's fantastic. They had created a, a wearable technology through artificial intelligence and machine learning. I had, you know, through our partnerships, successfully created a huge win that was in its final stages of being ironed out. It was a huge big box brand. It, it was such a big deal. We had had to talk to Amazon Web Services to literally get me a team to handle the influx of what was going to happen. Mm. We were kind of in the final stages of ironing out the last details. The company at the highest level and, and their board were behind it. And, and this company believes in, in their employees. You know, I, I asked a question, which is a very Sandler question, which was, you know, I, I don't want to know about how we're going to continue to do business. I want to know what, what KPIs I'm going to be measured against to get fired. Yeah. And he said, there's no KPI that they're not going to fire you. Like this is something they just want to show support to the employees. So it was almost like, you know, a deal you couldn't lose. And then as we were starting to put everything in motion and, and start figuring out the real struggles, COVID happened. Mm. And and I would I, I would be lying if I didn't say by this month, I probably would have netted about $300,000 in sales. And that would have been payable commission to me. Yeah. It was, I was getting ready to go. At the time I was salary plus commission. Yeah. I had it in my mind that with this deal, I was going to in June go to my owner and um, 
CEO and COO and say, look, give me a great commission structure. Take me off salary and use that to get another person on board. You know, yeah. yep. I had a lot of, a lot of talks with my wife about that. I said, look, this, this is so huge. Let's grow together. Yeah. Let's be, a I can do picture. this. Yeah. And I want to see that I wanted to see the company succeed. And I felt like I didn't need the commission structure anymore. And I mean, I'd worked my tail off. It was, it was very tough. And then COVID happened and it was like overnight. I had probably, I'll say a, close to over a million dollars in the pipeline with a couple of different companies. Things were just being ironed out. I had a lot of next steps scheduled Yeah, and it was just immediate. It just all dried up. Yeah. It just quit. Some of the companies said, not, not ever. We've taken such a huge hit. This is never going to happen. The big box company was like, we're not going to say never, but definitely not now. We have to see how this is all going to play out and what's going to happen. A lot of the companies I worked with were in supply chain and logistics. So you can imagine, it was just like, I didn't even feel bad that they didn't return my calls. And, and my calls were really like, hey, how can I support your team? I realized like, we're probably not going to do business right now, but what can I do for you? Yeah. Are, are your people okay? Are you sitting, you know? So I wound up, uh, you know, getting uh, laid off and, and there was nothing that could be done. I mean, like it, it wasn't even a, there was no nothing. So I was lucky enough that my coach through Sandler over in the UK put me in touch with the Ruby group. And, um, you know, here I sit today, pushing the Sandler uh, brand and, and, and trying to, to make it happen. And, and, and so I'm, I'm inspired that you were in the chasm in the, in the black hole, at least twice, um, both really big. I mean, leaving, be, being let go from a $300,000 a year job plus, um, I know how that puts a, a hurdle. And yet uh, you've moved on to something that, that can be as good, if not better. I don't know about the dollars wise, but I'm just a really big fan of Sandler. And so what I'm, I'm wondering for you, Gavin, as you look to the future, what are the hurdles now that, uh, that you feel like you need to overcome or face? Where, where are you going to need to show some grit to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish as a partner at Sandler? You know, it's, it's really just about focusing on the message. I I've been diving into, we're, we're a psychology based methodology. And I've been diving into some ideas about really targeting new opportunities. And, and instead of trying to just consistently educate people, which is almost a hallmark of ours, yeah, I want to mix that in with people who've been there and done that and, and failed. I want to start finding people who've gone a weekend warrior workshop and, you know, some sort of motivational training that was supposed to really help them, you know, create abundance in their life. And a lot of that stuff is, it's fantastic, but there's usually a lot of inaction behind it. The good feeling goes away very quickly. And then you become an inspiration junkie. You think that by going to the next event, the next seminar, you're going to finally get that one trick. And, and what, what I come to learn is that they need a process. And if I can show them something that's new and innovative, although Sandler's not new by any shape of the matter, but if they can see the mechanism and something new that, that has worked, I mean, for some of the biggest names out there, then they can be successful, but they, they've got to take it on themselves to actually be disciplined. So 
I'm going to start uh, pivoting in that world. I'll still be doing, you know, completely, hey, you probably don't even have a need for sales training, but let me tell you like what's going on. But I'm also going to be starting to find out and reach out to those people who have been, you know, paying somebody or reading the books and have just never actually moved the needle. Once again, you are focusing on someone who needs help uh, far more than you're focusing on yourself. And and I know on the other side, based on what I know about you and what I know about Sandler Training and the Ruby Group, you are going to be well-served with that approach. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the people that you're serving are going to be well-served. And, uh, and I think I, I congratulate you for that. And I'm inspired by that. So thank you for those mm-hmm. efforts. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, so a, a big uh, shout out to what you do at Sandler. Uh, you were talking about how it's it's not new, but you know, to so many sellers, it is. <laughs> so many sellers do it the wrong way and they look for that trick, like you were just saying, or the the quick get rich, you know, get the sale closed and move to the next one. And that is so not what Sandler is. And I think, uh, you know, this isn't a pitch for Sandler, but boy, if anybody is inspired by your story about the military, even inspired, I know that I wish I could, do something different to, to, uh, you know, we talk about suicide in the military and, and helping, helping, uh, folks leave the military and transition in. And so there are people out there struggling with that. Maybe they're just in sales and, and want to know what more about the Sandler thing is. How would they reach out to you and talk with you? Yeah. The best way to find me is on LinkedIn. Um, just look for Gavin Tice and, um, that's, you know, tell me you listen to the podcast or if you're smart, or a little crafty, you'll listen to how to pronounce my name. And I'll tell you, I put a marketing messaging in there. Um, So if they listen to that, they can get a free 30 minute coaching session with me. Am I mispronouncing your name? No, no, but it's interesting. A couple months back, they, they added this thing and it's got like a little, I don't know what you would call it, a, a, an emoticon maybe. And if you click on it, you can hear how to pronounce people's name. And I thought, Uh. I'll use this as an Easter egg. Yeah. I'll put that out there. And if someone says, well, maybe this guy's name is Gavin or Garvin or something, they click on that. And uh, since I did that, I've had six coaching sessions with people because they actually found that little Easter egg. (laughs) Good for you. So you just gave away the Easter egg and now all we got to do is go out there and get it. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Folks, go do that. Go do that. And, and uh, a free coaching session with however you pronounce, but I'm going to tell you Gavin Tice is, is, uh, <laughs> is well worth the effort that you take. I'm going to take a quick uh, chance here to give my own plug, if you don't mind. We are Spire Advertising. Uh, the show is sponsored by Spire Advertising. Um, and we are a marketing company that wants to work with businesses that are at a ceiling, that need some grit, that need to do something to accomplish uh, into that next uh, realm of success. And so we come alongside your team and we are responsible responsible for your good results. We're accountable for anything that goes wrong. And uh, we're just there to make everything solid moving forward and help your team succeed. So if you need to find out more about Spire, we are at spiread.com. I'm at brian at spiread.com, or you can find me as well on LinkedIn with no Easter eggs. I've got to figure out a, an Easter egg uh, thing. I am Brian Leffelock. Uh, that's how you pronounce my name, Director of Sales at, at Spire. Thank you again to Gavin Tice, partner of Sandler Training Ruby Group right here in Akron, Ohio. I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you for being a part of Dash of Grit. Thank you so much, Brian. I appreciate being here. And to everyone out there, thank you for tuning in. Now go show some grit of your own and win the day. This is a Dash of Grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things.